right, welcome to the PMC Podcast. I'm Josh Sports and Trooper, joined here by my co-host Nate Raber. And special guest on the show today is, drumroll please, Pastor Kevin Schwarzentrooper. Morning, guys. Woo! Round of applause for Kev. Uh, Kev, how are you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing well. Good. Doing well. well, Kevin, I'm, I'm really glad that we have you on the show today because before we start anything... Uh, there has been some false information that has been spread on this show regarding the coffee that we drink. Oh, shoot. And uh, I want Kevin to clear this up because his good buddy, Phil E., who I feel like we mentioned, we've got to get some sponsorship from Phil on this <laughs> show. Maybe we just need to pay him. <laughs> Maybe we need to pay him. But, Kevin, please clarify that Phil does not grow his own coffee beans. No, in Davis County's not, the climate's not. Uh, <laughs> Well, you kept saying that, and I thought, like, maybe at a greenhouse or something uh, in the background. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So how does he do it, Kev? How does he do it? He buys 50-pound bags of uh, green coffee beans. I got uh, roasted for uh, calling it green beans because I thought I was talking about <laughs> but green coffee beans, and then he has his own roaster, and he, he roasts them, and there's very much an art to that. So he does half the job. He does, yeah. Okay, and it's it's good. Yeah, and uh, and and roasting beans, like you said, there is an art to that. It's not just so. I'm sure it's not just like throwing it in the oven and calling it good or three three seventy five for twenty minutes. Yeah, Yeah. and the true coffee connoisseurs, there's also an art to brewing it, but that's not me. I just push a button. Yeah, no. See, I grind my beans and get them out of the freezer. Freezer, if you keep them in a freezer, keeps them fresher. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So my my five dollar red jug of Folgers just stays fine in the cabinet and drinks just fine. And if somebody else is going to be sponsored around here, it's going to have to be Folgers as much as Nate <laughs> mentions them on here. And I don't even know if we can get them on, on our radar or not. But We uh, can tag them on Twitter, see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. Uh, here we are. We're just a bunch of... Some of us are coffee snobs. Nate's just a coffee drinker. Kevin's just get me as wired as I possibly can with the espresso... You got an espresso machine, Kevin? Is I that do. You put the beans on top, put the water in the reservoir, push a button, it grinds it, brews it, shoots in the cup for you. Is this is the espresso the little cups? Like with a, you look like a big human holding um, a little cup. If you do it low dosages, yeah, that's the way. Oh, it low goes. dosages. <laughs> Kevin's a high dosage dude. <laughs> he gets over here from his house. He gets in, the mug. in one point two minutes. I mean, it's like <laughs> boom, walking on, rocking on air. <laughs> yeah, he's floating over here. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's brewed a different temperature, and the beans are ground a lot finer. So oh, okay, yeah. It's a, but I I usually do a double shot in the morning with some heavy whipping cream. Yeah, that's my. I tried that in college one time because everybody said try the espresso. And so they asked, like, do you want a shot? And I said, sure. And I didn't know what it was. And I don't think I slept for three days. <laughs> uh, oh, I got a funny story with espresso. And then we'll start. This is how kind of we start our show, Kev. So that people can skip through this part. <laughs> but uh, my wife one time, she was uh, surprising me. She's like, she got a surprise date trip for me. So I'm like, oh, okay, sweet. So we're going to Evansville, and it's in the morning. And she's like, we're going to stop by Starbucks first. I was like, oh, sweet, yes. And uh, so I get there and I'm getting my coffee and I'm like, you know what? Don't want an extra shot of espresso in there. Like I'm, I'm going to be ready to go for this date. I'm going to be ready to go. Like we're going to, we're going to be excited. I'm going to have some energy. I get it. And then 
we go across the street and she had scheduled a couple's massage for a massage in me. So here I am for a massage and I've got two shots of espresso in me. So that doesn't usually go too well. I mean, I'm sitting on the, I'm sitting there like shaking on the massage bed. It's hard to relax. Huh? Yeah, that's hard to relax. So I thought we were like going on a hike or, you know, something like that, but nope. Couples massage. You guys are into the couples massage. That's something. I, yeah, I've yeah. Never, it's nice. Never had a massage. I don't. It just seems weird. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it can't be. Don't knock it till you tried it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's interesting. Uh, it makes me feel good. We don't do like the hot rocks and stuff. You know, like yeah. the, go that way or the acupuncture. You know, there's a lot of good, a lot of good things about it. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. Like I said, don't knock it till you try it. I, I, I you, you just. You keep the you keep the couple's massage for both of us, I guess. <laughs> we'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, we are starting uh, part two of a discussion that we had last week with uh, Eric Miller, where we talked about um, how to pray. And uh, if you guys are first time listeners, um, you can follow our podcasts um, on Apple, Spotify, or however you're listening right now. And um, we have been going through prayer uh, for this entire month. And it started with an uh, uh, interview with Tara Brower, um, who's going through her battle with leukemia right now. And uh, she was talking about the power that prayer has had in her life um, with different situations that she's gone through in her current battle right now. And then uh, following that, we talked about, uh, Nate and I talked about why we pray. And, uh, you know, a question I think a lot of people ask themselves sometimes, what's the purpose of prayer and different things like that. And then last week we dove into the how we pray. And uh, we're going through a book called The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down uh, by Al Mohler. And it's where he just kind of goes through the book of and, and the prayer in Matthew, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and breaks down each uh, part of that. And we started that last week. And today we're going to be diving in to that a little bit more. And uh, Kevin, before we first start, I'm going to just go ahead and bring bring you on here. Um, prayer. I know that uh, you, me and you have talked a lot about prayer and uh, you and your family just went on a trip to Washington, D.C., where it was uh, kind of centered around prayer and so uh, praying for people, um, praying for our country, just praying for leaders in our nation, different things like that. And um you know, I remember you specifically saying something in the program that you had here last Sunday uh, about your own prayer life and how that has kind of uh, taken you and and kind of made you look at your prayer life a little differently. Why don't you explain a little bit about um, what prayer has meant to you just just in this past year? I, really, just in the last couple of months, it, it really woke me up to how, and the word I used, I think Sunday night was immature I am in my prayer mm-hmm. life. And that's hard to say at 47 years old and 14 years into ministry, I mean, official ministry we we are all ministers from the time we're baptized but just looking at it as a as a relationship Mm -hmm. i mean a a deep relationship and really appreciated something you guys said a couple weeks ago i think on the podcast about how much of prayer is really worship i mean Mm -hmm. and and, you know arbitrarily like 75 percent of it and meaning the majority of it Mm -hmm. is just a worship of god and acknowledging who god is and and then from that asking for his guidance, asking for his wisdom, asking for his provision. But in the midst, and the, the foundational fact is worship. Yeah. And that's that's one thing I found when we were in D.C. because it, there were a lot of, I mean, and that was a minor situation, you know, the, the trials that we faced out there. You know, in reality, at the time, you weren't sure. I mean, fences going up, a National Guard coming in, mm-hmm. and everything that was going on, didn't know about the nation, and, you know, had the 
extreme theories that we're going to go into martial law and you, know, you hear these things and here we are stuck in the middle of a big metropolitan area and, and you become more and more aware of how much you are dependent on God. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's I think that's so important. Like you said, it's the worship aspect of prayer and how that should take a majority of that up. But then that last part there, that's always kind of been my definition of prayer, that dependence upon God. And um, that's, you know, the reason we go to him. And, and Nate, we talked a little bit last week on the how, and uh, we talked about, um, you know, routine prayers, you know, praying in front of people, you know, the, Jesus uses the examples going before he dives into the Lord's prayer. Um, he dives into how not to pray. And uh, he's using the Pharisees as an example of how not and how they pray on the street corners and pray in front of people. And, you know, Jesus talks about secluding ourselves uh, away from everything else and just solely focusing on prayer. And then we talked about um, how will be thy name. So I guess my question to you, Nate, is, um, you know, can you kind of summarize a little bit about what that talks about there and that hallowed be thy name? Um, I think that was a big thing for us to look at when it came to um, prayer and getting into this week. Yeah, like like we said last year, that, that hallowed be thy name, um, I think for most people and for me, I know, just thought it was just kind of this, you know, this, this expression of prayer when really... It's more of an appeal type thing of, of Lord, work in my life, work in others' life, that your name is hallowed, that your name is made holy. And it's this request for the church um, to be made holy. So so literally, Jesus is saying, pray for the church so that the church represents God better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think a lot of times we just use that phrase, you know, like, you know, yes, God, your you your name is holy. When really it's a it's a plea. It's a it's an asking that His name is made holy in everything we do. It's it's you know if we're part of the church and we're supposed to be the the bride of Christ, then in everything we do, whether it's our work, our ministry, our our relationships, marriage, anything, we're supposed to to hallow god's name we're supposed to make god's name more holy through our actions um uh with with other people and so you know when we do that the the best way or the most important way we make god's name holy is by witnessing to others because like i said last week every time somebody comes to faith that that's just another example or the best example that that god's name is holy because someone has now come to faith and his name is now being glorified Mm -hmm. Uh, and and that just goes right along with the great commission that we're supposed to every day, you know, go and make disciples, teaching them mm-hmm. um, in 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 the name of Jesus. Yeah, and I think that that leads us right into our first point today. Um, as we pick up in the prayer, you know, we t- talked about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then, Kevin, this is often the hardest part of the prayer, I think, that is sometimes hard for us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Kevin, when you hear that part right there, your kingdom come and your will be done, um, I think I can understand a little bit, you know, why that can be the hard thing to pray sometimes because um, our wills don't always line up with God's wills. You know, we kind of want things to happen in our lives, and it may not be in God's sovereign plan. It may not be what he wants, but we all know that whenever we pray that, we know that God's will is perfect for our lives and that God's will is going to bring 
good things. But Kevin, when you hear that part, um, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's just kind of the first thing that just kind of strikes you there as we dive into that portion of prayer? Well, I was actually thinking about that phrase as Nate was talking about, hallowed be your name. And and I, I think of the, the, the infection really in the church today is people are holding on to their parts of the will and they're only hallowing God's name and, and what they're willing to let go of. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where the church is, I guess, getting off the rails. Mm-hmm. We're not really as individuals surrendering our will to God's will. We, we just let go when we want to, and it doesn't work that way. No, that's, that's, that's so good. Cause we, like you said, we'll hollow, hallow God's name whenever it comes to yeah. things that we want to hallow God's yeah. name in. But then man, when it comes to things that we want to hold on to, it's going to be driven by us. Mm-hmm. And Nate, you did a good job here on this, on this um, document that you uh, shared with us, um, talking about the differences between um, God's kingdom and, you know, the city of God and the city of man. Um, I don't know if you have that. Do you have that pulled up over mm-hmm. there? You want to kind of explain a little bit the difference there between us wanting God's kingdom to come and, you know, for the kingdom of man to be reigning right now, I guess. Yeah, and, and I guess, I mean, I didn't really, I just kind of typed out what the book said, so this is not an original Well, you thought. did a good job of putting together spark notes, Thanks. I guess you could say. Thanks. I don't know if spark notes were in your time. Oh, He's my. pretty young over there, Kevin. I don't know. Yes. Did you ever do spark notes, Kevin? My wife does. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's how I, I got through I AR spark, in school. I spark noted the Odyssey in 11th grade English. So oh, wow. Not, not a big deal, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but Moeller uh, talks about a philosopher, Augustine, um, and he, he wrote a, a book called The City of God and where he talks about um, there's two different cities right now. Uh, there's a city of God where where this the it, it's he's talking about heaven um where where god resides um where it's it's a perfect place we are we are made citizens on earth but we don't live there yet and i thought that was an interesting thing you know when we think of our citizenship in the united states wherever we reside usually is going to be our citizenship and and so it's kind of different in the city of god where when we are saved we are made citizens we just don't live there yet um while Augustine then goes into the city of man, which, you know, talks about, it's a very temper temporary. It's very sinful. Um, you can read Romans one and two and talk about, and just see the sinfulness of, of man. Uh, and in the city of, of, of man, we've talked about this a ton before. This is where people guard their interests. They want to stay comfortable. They want to guard their family, their friends, their jobs. Um, and so you've got these two, two cities, fighting against each other and there's a there's a tension between these two areas um and and packer or um Mueller talks about you know the kingdom of god is not here yet it's it well it's here but it's not fully present because of, of believers that are here so so there's exiles from the, the kingdom of god that are living on earth um but the, the whole kingdom isn't here yet until the second coming of christ um and and Mueller brought a good brought out a good point during the during the transfiguration of christ um they saw part of this kingdom of god on earth mm-hmm. and so you know that's what we have to look forward to um when jesus is talking to moses and elijah um, and so how does this kingdom come how does how do we get so what are we praying for right how mm-hmm. do how if we say you know lord your kingdom come how does that happen it's by by getting more exiles on on earth it's by preaching and changing the hearts it's by it's by getting those people that are citizens of heaven um 
but they still live on earth here. And so this is, this is a hundred percent an evangelical prayer mm-hmm. to, to go make disciples, to, to um, spread the words to, and, and to teach Christ. And so, you know, this is again, a plea for evangelical, uh, evangelicalism. Um, and so, you know, when we talked about uh, what we what we said earlier, you know, hallowed be thy name, make your name more holy, make your name ho- more holy um, with with the people on earth, make make your name more holy, and have your name glorified by by having more Christians on earth. That's the same, basically the same thing he's saying when when your kingdom come, you, Lord, make disciples. Basically, he's just praying the Great Commission, make disciples of of all nations uh, under your name. Well, and I think that that's an important part there as we realize this, your kingdom come. It is a it is an evangelical prayer. It, it's, a, it's a prayer for us to be witnesses to Christ and for Christ to prepare the hearts of those people that are going to receive the word of God and for those hearts to be accepting and for those hearts to ultimately be changed and ultimately glorify God um, in our prayers. And I think that that's an important part of prayer. You know, and Kevin, you've probably seen this in your years of ministry, um, I know I've seen it, and you know I think anybody sees it. Um, evangelizing to uh, individuals and, and just, just speaking the good news to individuals. The one thing that we're called to do is Jesus mentions before you know he mentions it in Matthew twenty eight, and then he mentions it again in Acts one. So you would think that this is probably something important if Jesus is telling the disciples twice, like, yeah. "Hey, you need to be preaching the good news to people." Um, but oftentimes, I think people are they they get they do the cop out answer of, well, I don't know much, or I'm not, I'm not well equipped or different things like that. Well, in the Lord's prayer, this, your kingdom come. I think that that's also a prayer for us to be, as we're praying that we're praying that we're showing that that's our desire is to be uh, witnesses for Christ. And I think that in that prayer, I think that that's what can really turn people to uh, evangelize if that's truly our 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 vision and that's truly what we want to see. I mean, is that kind of what you kind of what you've seen in the church that people are kind of more hesitant to evangelize because maybe they don't feel like they're uh, equipped enough or don't really know enough, and maybe it's just as simple as just asking God to help you in bringing His kingdom here to earth. I think it comes back to people try to claim that word evangelism as a as a Christian word, and people can be evangelized into anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we see evangelism in, in, in sports teams. We see evangelism in uh, false gospels. We we see evangelism in in business models. And I, I think what people, you know, when they say they they're not equipped, well, there's a there's a deeper issue then. Then they're not really seeking God themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they say they're not equipped. I mean, it. The way you get equipped is to dig into what you want to evangelize people about mm-hmm. and that it's deepening your relationship with God. And then he will just, it will flow out of you. Yeah. You have to discipline yourself. You have to you know, be intentional about keeping your focus by the guiding of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, evangelism is not evangelism is not exclusive to Christianity. That's not a Christian word. No, I think that, that's good too. This guy's full of wisdom over here. That's and I think I like talking to him. And I think, <laughs> you know, that, that excuse of, well, I'm not equipped, especially in 2021 is a terrible excuse. Yeah. You know, if this was, if this was 1643 and I'm a Puritan living in Massachusetts and I don't know how to read, it's, I mean, it's hard to be, be equipped. If I don't know how to read, I'm, I'm relying on the priest or I'm relying on 
the pastor in 2021, everybody knows how to read. Everybody's got YouTube. Everybody's got podcasts. I mean, there are so many tools for people to, to dig mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be reading and it doesn't have to be a certain thing. There are so many things that we can do to become equipped. Mm-hmm. There, there's so many tools that we have at our disposal. And so when I hear people say, well, I don't know much about the Bible or I don't know. Number one, that tells me where's your desire. What, well, that's what I was say. It starts with desire. Why is, why do you not have a desire to, to be, um, more well equipped and that's why i love that the ddp class we we have here is because that that is doing this equipping mm-hmm. of of men in, in the church and number two just, do you need resources like we we can you know if you need resources on how to become equipped contact us we, we will we'll point you in the right direction uh but i just i i don't i don't have much sympathy for the excuse well i, I don't know much about the bible so i can't i can't go evangelize well, I think it's one of the enemy's biggest tools is he's taking away personal responsibility and uh, adversity. Yeah. And, and and society's feeding into that. It's like, oh, everybody's a victim. And when, yep. when you're a victim, then you don't take responsibility. You don't, fa- you don't turn toward your adversities and grow through them. You just grab the excuses that everybody's throwing at you and you, you live with them. Um, I hesitate. I don't want to lift myself up too much. But I'm pretty common knowledge that I deal with blindness. Um, visual impairment is is more word I like to use with it because I can still see some things. But yeah, on this morning on the way here, he noticed that his kids left the light on down there at the shed. So, yeah, so there's a there's a joke all the time that, that we always give with Kevin that he does he's not really blind. He's just playing this up. <laughs> <laughs> he told me one time in an elders meeting that my light was on on my phone, <laughs> my flashlight on the front. <laughs> did you not? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, but no, go go go. He's playing. Yeah, but. Yeah. You know, I, but I have to come up with alternative tools, mm-hmm. and and I do because I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to know more about God. I just I'm in the process now of learning Braille. It's not that I have to know Braille, but I feel like I can be more efficient, and it, it'll open up a whole new world to me. And and in, in motivating myself and, and and trying to have more opportunities, I just recently purchased a Braille Bible. You're talking, uh, Nate, about you know all the resources that mm-hmm. are out there. Even in in your challenges, there's there's specific tools available. All you have to do is look, and it may be as simple as asking somebody to read scripture to you. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I, there's all kinds of, and that, that Bible takes up four feet of shelf space, mm-hmm. but it's it, it's an awesome tool, and I'm still really slow, but I want to learn. Mm-hmm. And praise God, by his spirit and by his transformation of my heart, that's where that desire comes from. That desire gets squashed sometimes by my flesh, and and circumstances remind me and, and I have to turn and come back. But that's the fact of, you know, we have Hebrews ten fourteen, we have been justified. It's a done deal. Mm-hmm. But we are being sanctified. Mm-hmm. It's ongoing until we take our last breath. Absolutely. And I think that that's just that I mean, so that that this whole discussion that we're having here about desire, I think that starts right here with this prayer. I mean when you yeah, pray absolutely. and when you pray, your will be done, your kingdom come. That's showing that that is a number one desire that you have. Your desire is that God's kingdom would come. Your desire is that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that tells me right there 
that you're you're not just satisfied with going through the motions that you're just not satisfied with the way things are but you want God to be more glorified you want people to hear about God you 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 have a you have your heart breaks for the lost souls that are out there and you want God to come and I think that that's exactly I mean you guys are bringing up excellent points on that is that there are resources out there to help you equip be equipped in that but honestly what it comes down to is you know God changing your heart to mm-hmm. desire the things that he want that he desires. And I think that that, like Kevin said, that the, you know, the sanctification process, it's a process. It's, it's an ongoing, you know, and our desires are going to, as we mature in our faith and we dig more and more, we're going to start to see yeah. our will and our desires line up with his even more. And I think that that's, uh, that's a huge part of this aspect of your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, we're at 24 minutes, so I'm going to keep transitioning here. Um, Might have to turn this into a three-parter. A three-parter. <laughs> but then it says, give us this day, give us this day, our, our daily bread. Um, I like what you said here. We're needy. Mm-hmm. We're needy. Yeah. And God is the provider. Um, we've been needy, needy since birth. We've been needy since birth. We need relationships. We need community. Um, we are we are individuals that need something. I think you know, if we were individuals that didn't need anything, then why in the world would we go? Why would we need prayer? You know, I think that's I think that's important that we understand that we are needy people, and that's why we that's why we need God. And oftentimes, I think the excuse for a lot of people is, and I know it's I'm pointing fingers right back here at me. I oftentimes find myself not praying when things are going well. And mm-hmm. I feel like I, and, and I would never say it out loud, but in my actions, I'm essence. And in essence, I'm saying, you know what, God, I don't really need you at this time. But when things start to go a little bit bad, I'm calling nine one one straight to heaven to try to get you back in here. Cause I am going to need you at this point. But that's why I love, that's why I love the song. I need the every other month. No, I don't need you every, every other year. No, I need you every hour. I need you every hour. What are you guys' thoughts on just the neediness that the, I guess the incompleteness of ourselves that we need God in our lives. And that's what prayer provides us. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I go back to adversity and we don't want to be fatalistic. We don't want to be looking for things to go bad, things to go wrong. We don't want to be looking for hardships, but we do ourselves a huge disfavor when we run from adversity. Mm-hmm. We're, we're called to run toward adversity. Again, not looking for it, but when it's in front of us, don't don't try to avoid it. Yeah, don't, don't try to delay it. Run toward it, and and I'm pre- again like you said, just I'm preaching to myself. Mm-hmm. And I look at my kids, and I, I'm teaching them. It's like you don't don't shy away from your adversity. Don't shy away from your trials. Turn toward them. Yeah, pray through them. And, and push through them. And when I say push through them, I don't mean under your own strength and your, mm-hmm. your own ability. It's push through them by the power of God. And and when you come through the other side of it, you you will be a different person. Absolutely. Very much so. And scripture just, I mean, scripture's all over that. I mean, yeah. James 1, verses 2 and 3, yeah. consider it pure joy, mm-hmm. my brothers, yeah. to, you know, for the testing of your perseverance. Like, it, it, it's it's being used to, to grow you. It's being used to show you how much we need to depend on God, how much you need God. And oftentimes, Nate, I'll go to you this, and oftentimes our prayers turn from, uh, 
God, help me see what you're doing in this situation to God, could you get rid of this situation mm-hmm. for me? Can you get me out of this? And I think whenever we pray that and we want the situation to get over, we're missing the opportunity that God's mm-hmm. trying to grow us in right then and there. Well, I think that I don't want to backtrack too much, but that goes back to your will be done, right? It's not my will because, you know, we, we're, we're told in scriptures that, that God's will is perfect. And so why would we want to change his will? Um, and like you said, James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And so the Bible tells, and Paul writes, writes about trials every other word, it seems like. So we're, we're going to face trials. And so if we pray even selfishly out of those trials or keep these trials away from me, that's not praying your will be done. That's praying my will be done so that I'm comfortable. Yeah. Um, Packer, J.I. Packer uh, has a really good quote. He says, the purpose of prayer is clear, not to make God do my will, but to bring my will in line with his. And so when we pray your will be done, we're really asking for uncomfortability. We're asking for, for trials. We're asking um, for, for God to, 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 we're we're asking to be dependent on God um, because he's the only one that is able to, to carry us, push, push us through those, those trials. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we're, we're, you know, like we said, we're, we're extremely needy people. Um, and, and in those needs, we're trying to preserve ourselves and our family and our jobs and, mm-hmm. and our friends. And so our, a lot of times our prayers turn into keep them safe, do this, do this, do this. When, when right before this, your will be done, Lord, let me submit to your will, whatever that is, let my will come in line with yours. No, and I think that's that's a that's a good thing, and I think I think that's important that we understand the balance here. So we understand the balance that you know God is not uh, a vending machine when we pray. You know, it's not you know God, give me this, give me that, do this, do that. All right, we'll catch you later. Like, no, that's that's not what prayer is about. We talked about how you know a majority of our prayers should be worship towards God, but at the same time, I think there's a balance that we have to understand about prayer is that we are needy people. And just as, I think we talked about this maybe last week, but just as us three are fathers and, you know, we all have, we have really young kids, Nate and I do. Kevin, you've got kids all over the, all over the spectrum. Um, But uh, whatever age it is, as difficult as it can be sometimes, and sometimes I hate to say annoying, but you know, it could maybe get to that point. Our kids are needy. They need things. You know, my son's in the age right now where he's just pointing and going, ah, ah. And I'm like, man, I wish you could just talk and tell me what you need. But he needs something. He needs me. And I think whenever he needs me and he comes to me and needs something from me, that just, that, that strengthens our relationship. Oh, yeah. It strengthens our relationship. And I don't think any of us fathers sitting around this table would ever just want our kids to never come to us with needs. I mean, that's one thing that is satisfying to us as fathers is that we have the abilities to help our kids while they're in need. And I think it's the same thing with God and us as he is our father. He knows we have needs and he doesn't want us to neglect asking for those needs. And it's what you put here, Nate. I think sometimes people can get to the point where they stop asking for God. They stop asking from God. They stop asking for things because they think, A, well, this is just, this is little. God doesn't really, he doesn't have time for this. Or, man, I've been really asking a lot lately or different things like that. I don't think God, I don't think God operates that way. 
I think God understands our needs and he is there to provide us everything. What's the scripture? And Kevin, maybe you can point it. I, I'm trying to think of the scripture. Nate, maybe you've heard it too. The scripture of, um, man, where's it at? And he talks about as he dresses the the lilies of the field and he feeds the he feeds the sparrows in the air. How much more will he as he well? How much more will he take care of his people? You know what I'm saying? Providing them with needs, providing them with clothes, with food to eat, with different things like that. So I think he understands how much we need him, and I feel like that's a great opportunity in prayer for for us to come to God. Now we don't make our whole prayer about what we need. We come to the worship, but I think when we worship God and truly understand who he is, and then we ask with with that attitude of God, I know who you are. You're so mm-hmm. great, you're so powerful, you're so mighty, you're so loving, merciful, all these things and we're worshiping him. And now and it it, it gets us into an attitude of dependence as mm-hmm. Kevin mentioned before. And now we feel like we can we can ask Kevin. I don't know if that's something. I know you do some counseling. If that's something that people struggle with, I think I I think I've heard some people struggle with. I've struggled with it in my life before. But that part about maybe not wanting to bug God, I guess, would be a a, a key word to say there about maybe some of the needs that we have. Well, I, that's the point of our life. Our existence is for us to have opportunity to come to the awareness of that we 100% need God. Absolutely. And those who cross into eternity with God are those who have surrendered their hearts fully and completely to God. It doesn't manifest itself 100% in the flesh until we cross over into eternity. But those who will not go into eternity with God are those who choose, who decide that they don't need God. Mm-hmm. And then they will find the the consequences that come along with that. And and, and I, I that's people who are struggling with sin and struggling with with uh, the the temptations of this world are those who are determined to have things their way, and they buy into the lies of Satan, where he tries to make it sound like, oh, you need this and you need that, and all he's trying to do is distract them from God, mm. because he doesn't care a bit about those who choose to walk away from God. He just is glad that they do because that's his opportunity to tarnish God mm-hmm. and to dishonor God. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, that's good. Nate, what do you think on that? Well, I think you, you made, you brought a good point. You know, the first part of this prayer is just a worship service. Yeah. The first part of this prayer is just telling God how powerful and omnipotent and, and glorious he is. And then we go from, from a God, of the universe, the creator God that, that knows everything is all powerful. Now we, as Christians, we have the opportunity to ask that same God to supply us with what we need and want. It's like that beginning of the prayer kind of sets the tone. What I mean, like it just kind of, it helps you understand who you're praying to. And then like you said, and then we transition into God, the father, you know, wanting to help us. Well, there's, there's no other religion like this there's no other religion where you have a god that is that is all all supreme all powerful and then he still has a relationship with his creation so personable it, it's yeah and i think it's it's chan or or platt platt uh talks about you know there's there's a bunch of people down from different religions talking about how to get up the mountain i'm i'm we got to get up to our god i'm talking about or i'm uh, teaching hindu right now in my seventh grade class and and a lot of Hinduism is there's a lot of paths up the mountain, but we all get there eventually. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea of Hinduism. Getting up to the mountain. To- we, we get to the mountain. Mm-hmm. We get to our, our, our nirvana. We get to, you mm-hmm. know, enlightenment 
And and Platt says, well, that the mountain, the 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 god on the mountain came down. That I mean that that's yeah. that's a mind blowing idea of of this this creator that this being that created the entire world wants to hear from me wants to hear from little old me but this prayer says he does this prayer says it and it's not just once a week once a month once a year it's daily he mm-hmm. wants to hear from me daily he, he cares about his creation yeah and and so that's a man we could spend a whole podcast just talking about that about a, this this god that is all powerful wants to hear and cares about who he has created um and and so like you said that that when we have that mindset pretty soon our requests probably are going to or should change if we understand that that this powerful god wants to hear from us um our requests are going to be a lot different or should be a lot different um these daily requests should be a lot different and and miller brought a good point of you know this is a daily prayer and it's it's this is not a prayer that we've talked about a ton on the podcast. This is not a prayer of, or this is, this doesn't fit into the prosperity gospel. This doesn't fit into Lord, give me a jet or I've, I've sowed this seed. So now I'm calling back my reward. So I have a million dollars or so I have a bunch of money. You know, we talk when we're comfortable, a lot of times we forget to pray or we pray differently than if it's a daily need of for god if if we have six jets and and eight cars and a million dollars that makes us comfortable on earth and so this is this is directly praying against that prosperity gospel because like in exodus they are getting their daily bread their daily manna if you took more it was going to rot right and and so this was every day and and i and i think this is how god tries to again tries to get us to come to him every day, even though he is the creator God. Backing up to uh, talking about the greatness of God, I believe that's under the lie that Satan, not not the greatness of God, but the lie that Satan tries to tell us is we're not worthy. Mm-hmm. And that statement's true. Yeah, We're not worthy, but God is not going to leave us where we are. I mean, you look at the Psalms, and and the thing is we need to come raw to God. We, we need to say, God, I don't understand this. I don't get this. I'm hurt by this. And, and just be honest with you. You look at the, the Psalms, and, and most of them start with them lamenting what's mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, there's the praise Psalms, but there are lament Psalms where they, they're telling God, I don't understand this, I'm mad, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. And and then you look at the Father, another one I come to in, in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus heals his son, and the Father says, Jesus tells him to believe, and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And Satan tries to tell us, oh, you're just doomed, just, just let it go and live your life and embrace it. And it's just another one of his lies. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And I think that that's, that's so important. And when it comes to that, and I think that there's a balance, you know, we talk about, we talk about these different things. There's a balance between um, praying for needs and praying for wants. I guess you could say, yeah. you know, I think that that's important for us to uh, understand that uh, it's uh it's important for us to understand because I think some people get to the point when if you read about this and you talk about like, oh, okay, well, am I supposed to pray for this? Am I not supposed to pray for this? How do you how do you answer that question? If there's something going on in your life and you think, well, am I supposed to pray with this or is this is this is this more about me or is this more about God? Like, how am I how am I supposed to distinguish what should be prayed for and what shouldn't be prayed for? You guys, do you guys understand my question? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm asking you guys. I just I go back to to 
the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, when Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, what's your do- what's your God going to do? And and they say, well, he he can save us, he will save us, but even if he doesn't, we're going to be we're going to glorify him. Yeah. And so, when we pray, Lord, I know you can do this. Lord, I know you will do this. But if that's not if you choose not to, if that's not a part of your will, what are you teaching me in that? Um, and and that's I think that's where I've been. That's my journey in prayer is, Lord, I know you can do this. Lord, I, I, I know you, you can and you will. But if you don't answer this prayer, what are you trying to teach me? And so am I asking for something that's not in your will? Or am I asking for something that I'm not ready for? Um, and so that the no in God's answers is what I'm trying to work through right now. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people work through is, is what, wh- why is this prayer not being answered? And I, and the reason is it's because we're not ready for, for what we're asking. We're not mature enough for what we're asking or God's just saying, no, th- this is not in my will. Mm-hmm. Kevin, what do you think? I just encourage people, especially in your private prayer closet, in your private time, don't, chew on your words don't just talk to god Mm -hmm. just be honest open up to him and say god this is this is what i want this i I don't know if i need it you know show me just just teach me i mean that's the relationship i want my kids to have with me i don't want my kids to be afraid to come to me and ask Mm -hmm. for something Mm -hmm. and in my flesh sometimes you know i i probably made them fearful it's like oh dad's going to get upset or you know this is going to dad's going to get impatient about this god's not going to no and when we come to him with our with our requests, when with our appeals, he's going to faithfully teach us and sanctify us. I, I, if you're coming to the Lord fearing if you're praying the wrong way, then that's not God's intent. Mm-hmm. That's not the way He designed it to be. Mm-hmm. I, I just an analogy popped in my head. My son right now loves running on the couch. That's that's his thing. He just likes running around and flopping around on the couch. And I tell Sometimes him. Sometimes I think we need to invest in like helmets and and stuff. And I tell him he's got to. Yeah, I can tell him he's got to sit down, right? And then he starts crying and throwing a fit. He doesn't understand why I want him to sit down. Right? He wants to run. He wants to run, right? And so, if I'm asking something for, for God, I don't understand why God's telling me no or to sit down. Yeah. But as a parent, it's so he doesn't fall off and nail his head, yeah. right? Mm. I can see now. I'm not. This is an analogy. I can see the greater picture here yeah. when my son, and I, I guess I, we're in the place of a 16-month-old son. We want to run around and, and be crazy. God sees the greater picture. Yeah. Right right now, we don't see why we're being told to sit down on the couch, but it's so we don't fall off and, and break our neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's, a, that's, like I said, that's my journey. Why am I, why is God not answering these prayers or why is God not answering the prayers in the way that I think he should? Well, it's because he sees the bigger picture. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, you know, as we're, we're talking about how we pray, um, you know, I can't, I think I've said this almost the last two podcasts that we had, but I just love the, the what Matt Chandler said the one time when he says, pray what you got. And I think that's what Kevin yeah, was saying exactly. there. Like, yeah. you know, this is a relationship. This is a conversation. This is, you know, you're not going to say anything to God that he doesn't know already. You know what I mean? It's not like you got to go there and chew on your words and God knows your heart. He knows the thoughts that you have. So if you go to God and you're just open and you just pray what you got, I think that that does more than us sitting here and thinking, 
all right, I got to follow this specific formula and pray for these specific things. And like you said, Kevin, I don't think that's what God intended for prayer. No. You know, I think that God, God, he tore the veil so that we could have Mm -hmm. access to him so that he could have that relationship with us through Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, oftentimes we take the simple message of the gospel and we complicate it. And we think, well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. No, God just wants the relationship. And I think that that's what prayer is all about. You know, I love when you ask little kids, hey, what is the definition of prayer? What is prayer? What is prayer? And every time I ask a kid, what is prayer? You know what they say? Just talking with God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what you tell your kids when you're trying to teach them to pray. I don't know what to say. And it's like, just talk to him like you're talking to me. Yeah. And I, I mean, and that that's not encouraging them to be careless because then as they pray, then you as a parent can teach them mm-hmm. and say, you know, this is what you said, but what, what did you mean? Or, you know, ask God to, to help you to teach your children and ask your children and ask, and I, when I say children, I even mean children in the faith. Oh, absolutely. Just newly learning to pray or learning to communicate with God. It, it's just have an attitude, a heart of, of a teaching attitude, a, a, a pliable heart to where, God, this is what I'm saying, and, and just help me, reveal it to me. And, and he'll do it through his spirit, through circumstances, and and also very much so through his scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, we're studying the Lord's Prayer here. You're looking at it as an example. But, I mean, another prayer of Jesus is John chapter 17, and there's, I mean, I, I love uh, that prayer. Yeah. Jesus himself praying to his Father. Mm-hmm. Do you think he needed to pray out loud mm-hmm. to his Father? I mean, he was part of God, mm-hmm. but that was for our sake. But also, he loved that relationship mm-hmm. and loves that relationship. I, 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 Satan gets us to overthink things sometimes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, getting, but. absolutely. And I think that can that, like you said, that can oftentimes be what complicates our prayer mm-hmm. life. And you know, I think that's as we dive into this, and we've been doing this over the last. I hope that this podcast and, and talking about this, we haven't complicated prayer but yet just try to emphasize a the need for it absolutely b the reason for it the purpose for it and d just to understand that you need it you need it and i think that that's kind of the central focus around here today in our talk is the need for god the need for his kingdom to come the need for our daily needs but then i want to close with this you know give us this day our daily bread well Oftentimes in Scripture, he it's referred Jesus is referred to the bread of life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, we have physical needs that we have. Um, Nate and I have talked in here before, and I don't think it's wrong. I do not think it's wrong. I hope that, that doesn't come across this way. But ninety five percent of our prayer requests that we have at church are physical needs, yeah. and that's okay. You know, there there are God. God does want to take care of our physical needs. But there's a deeper need that we have, and that's a need for Jesus. And spiritual needs are, are, are what we need. And I, I pray that, you know, that's, that's what our prayer is daily, is this daily bread that we're talking about is not just a bread of physical health or physical well-being, but this is a, this is a prayer of, God, I need you. I need, I need Jesus. I need, yeah. I need spiritual help here in this area. And when we pray that, I think that's that's more important to us because these bodies are going to wither away. Yeah. They are. But what doesn't? 
our heart for Jesus. I mean, our souls in line with his son, that's going to last for eternity. If you guys have anything else you wanted to say. No, I think you ended it pretty well. Very well done. Okay. Well, guys, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on the show. Uh, We always enjoy our guests. We want to thank our sponsors today, uh, Neps Restaurant, Visible Fence, um, Zach's Creamery, and all those others that have sponsored. Uh, Thanks to Kevin again for coming on the show, and we will do a part three. We couldn't get it done, but that's all right. So thank you guys for joining us. God bless, and keep praying.